Welcome into another edition of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. It's officially episode 36, but before I get into what's coming up here soon, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, No Copyright Music. Welcome to another special interview episode. Before I get into who our special guest is today, just a little life update. I just got done working at Utz Quality Foods this past Friday, so more episodes will start to get cranked out here in the next couple weeks with, you know, having a couple weeks off and then going back to school and getting back into the groove of that. So we'll be able to get a couple more drivers in, a couple more just personalities in general, so look out for more of those episodes along the way. Uh, I came back from Watkins Glen International two days ago now. I was at the NASCAR race up in at the Glen, and let's see, how many years has that been? I was there in 09 when Stewart won, and then you know, 14 through 21, basically. So about seven, eight years in a row of going to that great track. Uh, Kyle Larson won. You know, it was fantastic to see him win. He's been having a tear of a season. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to come back and win the championship, but, you know, the playoffs in NASCAR are always interesting, so who knows, he could get bounced out in the first round, but we will have to see about that. Also, this past Sunday was the very odd, but interesting and entertaining Nashville Grand Prix, the Music City Grand Prix uh, for IndyCar, where we saw Marcus Erickson win with Scott Dixon second, and behind the catch fence alumni and three-time guest James Hinchcliffe Finally get a podium, finally get a top five, finally get a top ten on this interesting but very not so good season for him. It's been great to see him finally back up there and hopefully that only bodes well for him going forward. Uh, only a couple races ago, Alex Pillow currently has the points lead by about 42 points I believe over Scott Dixon and then Pato Award as well in third. Now it has been a couple months since the Mario Andretti was on the show to discuss the dramatic Indy 500 in May, but we're back for more. Today, we don't have a driver or a broadcaster on the show, but we have an incredibly talented motorsports artist in Alex Wakefield. Alex has done numerous paintings and drawings that have attracted the attention of the motorsports world from Willie T. Ribs to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Wakefield designed and created the program for the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500, where he encapsulated the track's historic and monumental history through his eyes. His brand, Motor Art 27, continues to thrive as his unmatched talent gets seen by motorsports fans all around the world. We talk about his passion for motorsports, how he was able to design the 2020 Indy 500 program, and much more. Enough with the chit chat, let's get right into it. Now sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, could be some soda and some uh, Oreos like Tony Stewart always loved, those soda cookies, you know, whatever it may be. And enjoy this episode with Alex Wakefield. <laughs> How's it going? How you doing, man? <laughs> Good. Hang on, let me get a little. Mm, that's not so good. <laughs> I find a little better lighting because it's strange in my office here. So you try it that way. Mm. So where are you guys moving to? We are moving uh, over by Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, about 20 minutes from Chicagoland Speedway. So oh. if, if an IndyCar race happens there, we could go. But I just didn't go to Milwaukee or the Speedway, honestly. 
They are. Road America, but um, yeah. Hopefully they bring IndyCar back there at some point. That's That'd be a travesty if they didn't. <laughs> uh, to Milwaukee or Chicagoland? Chicago, both actually, thinking about it, yeah. I went to the race in, oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, five? It was one where um, Buddy Rice, like, flipped backwards on the back oh, straightaway. Yep. It was boring. <laughs> Besides that, it was boring. That was the only thing that happened. It's like nobody could move. It was, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm glad they changed the formula so it wasn't just this the whole time and yeah. nobody could get past each other unless something really stupid happened. And we're not, those aren't our, our, our current uh, rules package and era anymore, thankfully. So what times are better now than that. But uh, I don't know how racy it'd be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess it would depend on just... Yeah, lots of variables and just what kind of, yeah, just arrow package they brought. And I feel like, yeah, earlier years, it might be not the greatest. And I, don't know, I feel like I think it'd be interesting to see how like the new car when that eventually comes out. And then with the, yeah. you know, new turbo, like extra horsepower, that kind of thing, if that'll add anything just for overall performance. I think one of the biggest factors is going to be, can you make a pass? And can you have more than one groove? Yep. For as much complaints as there were this year for Texas, it was it wasn't good, but it wasn't as much of a train wreck. What would have obviously helped is having two lane wide, but there's a whole myriad of things they're facing right now because they're trying to cater to different series and all that stuff. But I don't know. I mean, Firestone Bridgestone has got their own compound. Goodyear's got their own thing going. By and large, NASCAR is more popular, so who you generally going to cater to? All right, there we are. So I don't know. Maybe it's just simpler coming up through the '80s and '90s when I didn't realize these things, and just racing was awesome. I guess I don't yeah. know. But um... and even that Texas race, the second race wasn't terrible. I mean, it was better, especially like sunlight. Right, so it was a double header. Yeah. Yes. That I think like, I watched the highlights mm-hmm. and then I watched the full race of the second one. You're yeah, you're right. Because isn't that the one paddle one? Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was that's why I was thinking that because he made some ballsy moves. Yep. Graham was up there too. He could have had a shot at a couple points too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm there's been a bunch of racing I've watched them like, wait a minute, I'm trying to piece it all together in my head yeah. right now, <laughs> along with kids and family and all that sort of thing. But um no, that wasn't the second one wasn't as bad as the first one, that's for sure. But um yeah, it's been a good season so far. I think things been. are on the way up with IndyCar for sure. And speaking of that, uh, I don't know if you saw yet NBC is uh, I guess they're gonna announce that multi-year deal. Um oh. where I guess they're gonna have 12 plus races on uh network NBC and then the rest of the races will be on USA network, and then with Peacock, they'll still have practice qualifying type of thing. So I think it's going to be a win-win for both sides. Okay. I didn't know if it was multi-year or not, but I did see something about 12 races being on uh, the main station. So that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, I think NBC generally does more things right than wrong. So, and they were, a, a, excuse me, they were a big improvement over where ABC was at. ABC, ESPN. And um, 
yeah, I just I, I think the production's better. I think they're taking a little bit better uh, care of just presenting the races overall. And I like Lee, and, and yep. he, he does a great play-by-play. But I do miss Bob Varsha, so if we can get him in to call some sort of racing somewhere that's a, a little bit more wider watch than just Formula E, that'd be great. That is true. Yeah, Bob Varsha has always been top notch, and I remember yeah early, you know, on when you know when he was on speed and doing cart. Mm-hmm. That was that was really fun to watch. <laughs> it's, it's 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 I grew up with him. He was my F one guy. He was Murray Walker for me. Okay. And I remember seeing him. I think it was eighty nine when he first started doing the races, and he knows when to really crescendo his call and then just kind of talk through it and like here's what's happening it's not like what's the guy's name that does the f1 races now oh man i have no clue (laughs) i can't remember his name but it's just like he's on 11 all the time i'm going let let the race breathe yeah you know you don't need to do that but that's how he does it and he's getting paid so whatever but he's not my he's not my preferred it's almost like he's trying to be murray in a way Mm mm-hmm and I don't know. I mean, he must have some sort of quality because he shows up on time. He knows the drivers. He knows the state of play and everything. But it's just my my preference. I think I, I don't care for him. Brundle's fine. He knows what he's talking about. And knows yeah. what the say in analysis, the driver's perspective or technical or whatever. I think he does great. But um, yeah. Anyways, I know I've always grew up. You know. I was a big NASCAR fan, especially, you know, first okay. growing up. That's the first type of racing I watched. And uh, sure. Alan Bestwick was as top notch as you could get. I'd, you know, any race that I'd watch, I'd be like, yep, that's who I would want to be, you know, as a mm-hmm. broadcaster, just the way he would deliver something. And I know one of the top things everyone thinks of is that 2001, um, you know, Pepsi 400 with Dale Jr. one and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Bestwick's call with that and you're just like yeah that's that's just you know it gives you chills and I think just the way he's done that and I don't know if you've seen the SRX much um this bit. season but he's you know still as great as ever and I think he's just great overall for the sport and I think people kind of don't appreciate as much as they should sometimes it's he, he's he's what I would call smooth jazz if we're putting like musical connotations like yep. with how um the play-by-play announcers are, you know. Um, I don't know if there's a punk rock or a classic rock version from there out. I, I can't quantify all that, but it, it just, for some reason, smooth jazz just kind of came out like, yeah, it, he, he's very, it's, it's almost like gentlemanly the way he delivers a call. But mm-hmm. He can also obviously convey passion and emotion. And, and um, if there's an exciting part and he needs to say something, he'll say it. But yep. I think he's, he's pretty good and measured and knows what to say and what, um, you know when to say it um i grew up with uh all the guys from espn so it was bob jenkins and bp mm-hmm. and and ned jarrett and those are those for me those guys were just like well and then of course ken squire for the big cbs races is it for squire when he was on it was like him saying cbs control i was like whoa <laughs> you know, always says that that just sounds like really awesome and commanding it's like what can i get in there what, what's yeah. going on you know it's like captain kirk's chair cbs control <laughs> you know and uh it was like you knew daytona was on when he was he was on the call that was that was always really cool or, or talladega 
Mm-hmm. You know, we dad and me were always big about the super speedways and we'd try to get the mile and a half tracks when um whenever they'd be on ESPN or sometimes I think they're on like TBS way back or TNN. Yeah. Way back when, like early nineties. So um but those those two guys, as far as like the main play by play guys, um were who I grew up with and just who I got used to. Um and it's just funny, it's like tastes change, but I think there's still some good people out there doing some really enjoyable stuff for racing as far as whether it's broadcasting or writing or anything like that. And as you mentioned that, you know, you're one of those guys doing, you know, doing art so spectacular. I have to mention that, um, you know, about yourself, uh, just how did you get into just, you know, talk about, talk a little bit about yourself, just, um, you know, how you got into art and racing, how you've kind of combined that into a passion. Um, I grew up next to a quarter, no, excuse me, not quarter mile, three-eighths dirt, uh, three-eighths mile dirt track in southeast Iowa. So about two hours from Knoxville where they hold the nationals. Um, and I could, if the wind was just right, most Saturday nights I could hear the races. Um, most of the time it was jalopies, hobby stocks, um, late models. And then they had super modified, which ultimately turned into 360 sprint cars. And then once in a while they would get like either USAC midget show or um, I don't think they ever got the SCS, but they get like an all-star race or something like that. Um, occasionally once or twice a year and since I've left, they've like really blossomed. They've got like full blown non-win USAC um, sprints and midgets. I know I really see uh, midget cars with wings, but uh, they just had a world of outlaw show there a couple weeks ago. So they've really expanded um, from when I really started watching races there. And then I was, you know, like most kids, they always get crayons and I never put down the crayons and um, just kept getting, Hey, you're really good at this. Oh, okay. So I just kept doing it. I, I had a good time doing it. And then I just started, well, how does this person do this technique or whatever? And just kept pursuing it, kept going with it and wanted to see, you know, how I could depict different cars or different races or different drivers or whatever, and start getting into portraiture, um, really into the history of the sport. Um, and it's, it's a bit like music with me. It's like, I almost go backwards in terms of like, this sound is interesting. Okay. Who inspired this sound? Well, this driver is interesting to me who inspired this driver or this designer or whatever. I like like motorsport magazine from the UK. They always have really cool background stories about that sort of thing. And um, I just really enjoy digging into those stories and it kind of keeps me going as far as different subject matter. If I'm not doing client work, somebody wants something specific. I like doing that stuff for myself and just kind of keeping that whole thing going really. And like just when it comes to any type of just uh, work that you're going to do, I guess kind of how to, how do you kind of figure out what type of style? Cause I know I read on your website that you don't stick to this one style. You kind of let, you know, just whatever, you know, whoever you're doing kind of like tell the story in a way, uh, just how do you kind of figure out how you're going to, you know, use, you know, what kind of colors you're going to use, what kind of style, just kind of, yeah. How do you figure that out? The composition and that type of thing. Yeah. The technique. Um, sometimes it goes in conjunction with phases of, what I'm making. So there was a point in time, probably about four years ago where I was really getting into oil paintings and I did 
let's see, about four paintings backtrack before that. I got contacted by somebody from uh, the a museum in Portugal, um, the Caram Caramulo Museum. Um, they have a really nice automotive collection over there and they also have just a full art museum combined with it. This is really picturesque place up on a mountaintop in Northern Portugal. And they saw my work on a Petrolicious article. And I got invited to go over there with my family and do a full show for three months. And it was just a wonderful thing, but it was just all oil paintings. And it was one of those things where I was really pursuing, how do I make this image look through oil paintings? You know, um, usually what I'll do, um, whether it's oil painting or an illustration, a mixed media illustration, I'm always sketching smaller compositions. So we're probably talking no bigger than like three by five, just to get a general idea of how the, the composition is going to look. And then um, just kind of go from there with, with an oil painting. Usually it's going to be a sketch of some sort on the canvas. Um, I haven't played with wood panels. I know a lot of people, uh, as far as artists do wood paneling, I'm starting to look at that myself just because it's a little smoother and easier to paint on. Canvas is great, but it flexes a lot if you don't have it super tight. So if you're painting on something, there's a framework behind the canvas and it can slap up against that framework and cause strange looking um, patterns and that type of thing in the painting. So that painting on wood and harder surface kind of helps solve that problem. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot of illustrations. Um, let's see, this is what I've been playing with for a bit, just on my own. Um, this one's a McDoin. Uh, wow. Five-time MotoGP, 500cc world champion. Um, it's just, I like that whole development. It's the same technique I actually used it w once it's finished. Um, it's the same technique I used for the 2020 Indy 500 cover. So I draw everything out and then really refine the, the black and white portion of it. And when you see this, it's all gray here. Yeah. The lighting's not great in here, granted, but uh, this is all gray. So basically, if you're looking at a value scale, you go straight from totally white to black. Well, if you put it in the middle with the value system, you put it in gray, there's less for you to do to go towards the light, and there's less for you to do to go totally dark. So instead of being like, hey, I'm on a white sheet of paper, you got to go clear the other side of things to get it to be completely black. So it's just a little bit easier when I, it's like a technical thing, but it's, it's a little easier for me to do my work, having that right in the middle there starting off. So once the black and white is done, I'll go on and airbrush it and then I'll get kind of the midtone colors and everything in there. And then finally, once that's done, um, I'll go in with Prismacolor uh, colored pencils and get all the highlights knocked in. And then that's, it just looks so deep once it's finished. So those are a couple of things that I've, I've been playing with. Um, airbrushing, this mixed media technique is basically just taking everything that I've learned and just put it into one whole uh, illustrative system. Because I was always really picky about how I was depicting cars or drivers. I'm um, doing portraiture and that type of thing. So I always take a lot of time doing it as opposed to being really free and loose but that can get kind of tedious and manic almost. So I'm like spending two weeks on something this big when the whole illustration's this big. You can't do that all the time. That's why the oil painting's nice. You can free it up, you can chill out. 
you can still get really interesting um, compositions and pictures to look at, but you don't have to be so precise and so technical with it. Um, another thing I've been doing recently is working with these acrylic markers uh, from Posca. That's just a, um, a marker company, but you're able to get a lot going on wow. really quickly mm -hmm. and have really colorful illustrations with um, different diameter pens. So you can have a pen that's an inch wide or have something that's maybe like a 16th inch wide. I think that's what you sent me the other day, right? One of those, uh, yeah, I know I'd like swiped up one of your stories and you did like, might've been 24 hours of Lamal or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it might've been like a, something like the same markers. And I was really impressed by how, yeah, like you made all the colors pop and just how they're so precise as well. Okay. Um, was it that, uh, was it the 917 coming downhill? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was, uh, I'm doing that for a series for a client right now. It's uh, I got commissioned to do 12 illustrations for the year. So it's like, it's almost like you get the subscription to like Hickory Farms and they send you something every like four months while well, he's getting something every like three or four months of illustrations. So he's getting like a little pack of three or four uh, small marker renderings and he just takes them to work and switches them out. And it's been really cool to do that with him. He's, he's liked them a lot and it's been fun for me to do and they don't, they're they're fun because it's racing imagery that I love. He loves it too, and it doesn't take long to make either, and they look great. You know, so it's 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 fun when you have a customer that's kind of like, hey, let's do something different. You know, I don't care what it is. I like what you do. Just make it happen. That's that's I like that a lot. I say that's like that's the best subscription you could have is like just that type of art just kind of popped. Like, hey, I get you know, I get three to four things. You know, <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, like just looking at your artwork and just one of the things that stuck out to me, one of the first things that I noticed, uh, you know, was were the, that project uh, with Willie T. Ribs. Um, and when you had a couple of those you made, uh, so that was that for the premiere of Uppity or what was kind of that background of, you know, how that project came about? The very first showing they did was, I think, at in L.A., um, but if I'm remembering correctly, the second one they did was at Indianapolis, their art museum out there in 2018. So that was kind of all part of that whole opening night. It was really cool. Um, got a chat with Adam Carolla. That was pretty fun. Uh, and he, it was cool to get his take on the work. He seemed to really enjoy it. And I don't know, the, the movie was fantastic. It was, it was great to see like the Q and A session and everything. And, um, it sounds a bit cliche, but it was just a, it was a great thrill to be a part of that. Not just to be there watching the movie, but to kind of give a feel for the place. Before people walked in, saw the movie, they were kind of checking out artwork and having hors d'oeuvres and bench racing and talking and stuff. So it was just, it was fun to be a part of that with them. And what was Willie's reaction when he first saw just, you know, the work? He liked it a lot. He, uh, I, I did a short tv interview on wish uh, over in indy and he the the guy asked the the interviewer rather he asked him the same thing he's like hey that's me i mean so he's a man of few words but he knows what he's saying and he knows what he likes so I'm, I'm glad he enjoyed the work too so that was that was great and it's when it comes to just artwork in general or you know anything 
I'm sure it kind of depends on you know size and everything, but what's like a typical timetable and what is or what each how does like each step kind of vary with just time length? So I'll give you a synopsis of like if if you're coming to me with a commission and it's like, hey, I want to do something of uh say who's your favorite NASCAR driver? Uh Chase Elliott. <laughs> okay, so say you want to do something at Chase Elliott. We give dimensions. Do you want to do color? Do you want to do black and white? Um, do you have a photo that you took of him that you want me to do? All that sort of thing. Um, so we get kind of all those details ironed out. And I kind of have like a sliding scale. It's like it usually depends basically on size and the complexity. And it's mostly what it is. Uh, it, material costs can get in there too. So say if we're like doing a 30 by 40 oil painting, those materials are going to cost a lot more than what you're going to find on less expensive acrylics. Um, you know, tubes of oil paint aren't cheap. Uh, but if you go with like acrylic paints, they're less expensive. They don't take as long to dry. And usually the turnaround time's a little bit quicker. So those sorts of things are all accounted for. And that's how I do my quote, basically. So um, it, like, again, if somebody wants something smaller, it's like, oh, hey, I, this is a little bit too much. Okay, well, I present a couple other options so somebody can... <laughs> You know, see, okay, this is what's going into it, and this is what I can do for this price. So, if you just, it doesn't work when you go, well, this is it. Okay. You know, it's, a racing fans, not everybody wants to spend 10 grand in a painting or five grand in a painting. You know, some people are just like, hey, I'm cool with 125 bucks for a sketch of Chase Elliott, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You know, we can do that too. So I'm pretty flexible with a wide variety of, you know, choices and needs and what everybody wants to spend on, on a race cave, which I don't think you have too much room in yours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's not a lot of room on walls anymore. Maybe next Uh, to the, uh, I don't know if that's Logano or that's uh, smoke over there. Yeah, like oh, right here. Uh, oh, over um, here. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, Alf Stewart. Yep. <laughs> okay. I, I thought it would be Sony, be uh, Tony Stewart, but I'm like, there's a little bit of room, but it's going to be in the shadows. Yeah. It's be worth it. <laughs> yeah. You got IndyCar all the way over here. You can't quite see it, but <laughs> that's, yeah, it's definitely been uh, a mass collection over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely having to scale back with growing up a little bit more, but <laughs> sure, sure. definitely keep it at the, you know. <laughs> There's a mini museum going on there. I have heard that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to kind of, you know, go to different races over the years. Watkins Glen has been number one for us to go to every year. And, you know, IndyCar and NASCAR, it's been a lot of fun. And that's why we have Boris said, um, you know, the famous road course rainer <laughs> back oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. That guy's badass. I think, uh, let's see, I have one of his, his last knows he ran at the Glen right there. Um, and then that's off his car. Yep. Off his car. Um, 2017 <laughs> <laughs> and then yep, his 26, 2015, uh, nose from the Glen as well. Got that signed at a Walmart of all places. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it works. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only memorabilia I got like that is a chunk of Jimmy Vassar's nose from when he wrecked at the hairpin. I wasn't the hairpin, but was in the first corner, basically at Long Beach in 04, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what Champ Car, like Cart, had to sell. And then that whole weird flip over that. Uh, yeah. It was the year Tracy won the championship with Forsyth. But um, 
I went down the pits and I was like, Hey, do you want that wings? Like we're going to, cause I'm used to like sprint car fans just taking home sides of wings you <laughs> yep. know, that are all trashed up. I'm like, no, we're going to repair this. Like, uh, how about that piece? <laughs> I was so obnoxious. I was like early twenties like, uh, here. He just ripped it off and gave it to me. So, um, that was pretty cool. I should have Vassar sign it next time I see him or that would be cool. Uh, yeah, it would be. It was funny. I actually, there's not a lot of IndyCar stuff you can get, you know, just race huge stuff anymore. I feel like, mm. you know, and I think one of the things I happened to find on eBay a couple of years ago was a Sebastian Bourdais, like, uh, like when they used to have those, like the plates, like where, like, uh, like where the rear pod was, like the plates that kind of cover it almost. I think I know what you mean. Uh, that's yeah. I don't think I have anything near me, but um, basically, I, I mean, what do they call those? The tube or something like that. Okay. Um, basically, yeah, I found on eBay and you know bought it for maybe ninety, hundred bucks or something like that. And here it was from his vicious twenty seventeen Indy five hundred qualifying crash, and that you know you're like, wow, seriously? And and Holy then it was funny cow. when I got it. Uh, I eventually you know took it to a race the one time, and as he was signing it, he's like, wait, <laughs> this is from that crash, wasn't it? He's like, I'm like, I think so. He's like. Oh boy, the bad one. He kind of stared at it for a couple seconds and then he's like, get this away from me. <laughs> but that was that was interesting. <laughs> I don't know how superstitious he is, but that that was a rough one. But he's that still was. here, so that's the main thing. I was yeah. worried when I first saw that. Holy cow, that was huge. I don't know how many G's that was. It might have been I think when it hit the ESPN tracker had like what a hundred something G's or something like that. <sighs> Man, that was yeah. that was extraordinary. And, yeah. and the I think what was cool was not long after that, Marshall Pruitt did an article about what improvements led to that point mm-hmm. in safety. Because I remember Wilson got T-boned at Fontana, like on the back straightaway or something like that. And he's like, okay, they added Kevlar in this part. And then, you know, this accident led to this improvement and this sort of thing. And it's just like, it was kind of, if you're imagining this whole thing kind of culminating with, him taking that not completely 90 right turn but just man (sighs) yeah that was not soft at all i'm so glad he's just still with us let alone racing at the top you know Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty cool but takes a lot to get back in i think in a lot of ways or you just you're able to switch it off and then that isn't going to happen i'm going to go this way Mm -hmm. and i've always wondered just i like hearing a lot of fans perspective just in your eyes when it comes to IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula One, what separates them just with their mindset, their physicality in your eyes? In terms of what? I guess just more fearlessness or just kind of like that over the edge, like, all right, here, you know, I have to take it to the next level. Because I feel like I've, I don't know, growing up NASCAR, like full, you know, full fanboy per se, I've scaled back a lot. I feel like NASCAR is probably, you know, obviously more safe just because of the, you know, closed cockpit, everything else. But I feel like just IndyCar Formula One, they're risking so much more, I feel like, in a way. Um, I really think that'd be really a driver's question. I, I don't know if I'd be so arrogant to answer for any of them, but just from sitting in the cheap seats, what I appreciate about them. I think where you see most of that are they're, they're real subtle, small, nuanced instances where you can go, oh, that was big. Mm-hmm. Like, did you, you have to have a really, 
I don't know if you really have to, but for me, I feel like I've watched enough to where I can go, that part hit me in a, like, whether it's a gasp of like, man, I don't know how they pulled that off type of thing. Um, but they can't do that all the time. Cause that's what I think Senna had this quote of like, you gotta know when you have to completely push to the maximum and then keep some in reserve. And that's the whole idea of racecraft. I think when, that's why I appreciate probably sprint car racing and midget racing more than anything else, because I, that's just go yep. all the time. It, it, unless you're, well, unless you're in a big feature, like a 50 lap feature, like a Knoxville, that's probably as close as you're going to find in sprint car racing to like an Indy 500 where you've got to be up there, maybe conserve the tires a little bit and then make your move. But when we're talking like qualifying laps, well, that's where I really appreciate what a driver can do. You know, that's, that's when, if you're able to look at those nuances, I think Jeff Gordon was talking about that recently. He actually enjoys a qualifying in F1 more than he does watching the races. Cause there's <laughs> strategies and nuances and all this sort of thing. And for the race, it's just like flat out, baby, do it. It's now. And, and that's, that's probably where I think if somebody's looking to appreciate what a driver has to offer, it would be in the qualifying sessions or when it's really getting down to hammer and tongs, like we were talking about with, uh, with Pato at, uh, at Texas this year, where it was like, Holy shit, he made that move. And like, he's, he's out of here. Yep. That those, those, like I said, it's an instant where you see it. And then they don't have to maybe push quite as hard or take quite as many risks. Cause they've already done that one risky move and be done with it. And then they're out they're They're gone. So, um, I, I think that's as best I can answer. I don't know if that's oh, a really yeah. great answer, but I think it's a great answer. And, you know, I think I'll, you know, I never thought of sprint car before, but yeah, you mentioned they're having, you know, besides the 50 lap feature, like you mentioned, they're having to go and there's only one speed you have to go. And, you know, and that along with even, I think, you know, any, any like super speedway for Indy car per se, like you can feel that speed when you're, you know, in car camera or even just outside normal camera view you can tell oh yeah they have to be pushing it and you can kind of feel that speed a lot more than nascar daytona or texas wherever it may be i just feel like indycar or formula one as well it's just you feel that speed and you even like you know a bigger hit you're like you feel that a little bit more and you know i think that's just the main thing is just if you can feel it just through the television set then you know it's got to be pretty darn fast the last time i remember hearing or feeling like that with with nascar was when i saw newman's wreck last year at daytona Oh yeah, that was everybody and their dog was like, "Hey, mm-hmm. I hope so." Yeah. <laughs> um, if we're talking the by and large for for my money that I get the most heart my mouth gasp factor from, it's probably either going to be from flat track racing motorcycles mm. or MotoGP. And then above all of that is anybody who does the, the roads racing, Isleman TT, Northwest 200, any of that, that's different level stuff. And when you guys got guys like Valentino Rossi or Lars Caparossi going, I'm out, man. That's, that's, that's a different game. Um, that's saying something really, you know, and th- those guys almost look at it like sprint car drivers on two wheels. Cause it's like, they're not making a killing. 
they're 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 not making a lot of money here. You know, maybe there's a couple guys in the top, like Ian Hutchinson or or uh, when um, no guys are leaving me now. Uh, uh, Bruce Anstey, guys like that that are in the top couple teams there. The rest of them are kind of like out of their garage and just doing the best they can. And they have they patch this stuff together a lot of the time. So it's it's impressive what they do to get to the races. And then to compete at the top level in such a dangerous form of motorsports, it's just in rally cars too. That would be the other yeah. one too. That's I'm surprised more like people from like rural America haven't accelerated at that mm-hmm. or excelled at that. I should say it's like you guys drive fast on gravel roads. You know, let's see <laughs> if we can make Subaru America get you guys over there somehow and get a different rally program. But it'd be pretty wild. That would be crazy. And you mentioned MotoGP. I know. I think. You're a pretty big MotoGP, just motocross fan in general, correct? MotoGP, yeah. I don't watch yeah. as much motocross as I used mm-hmm. to. Uh, just with that, um, I guess in broad perspective, uh, what motorsport do you say you watch the most? Right now it's probably MotoGP. Um, when I can catch sprint cars, I do. Um, and probably IndyCar. I will watch the F1 highlights. Um I guess I'm a frustrated F1 fan because I'm trying not to be the, hey, it was better in my era type of thing. And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Aiden Millward, Aiden I believe is his name. He does he does iRacing, sim racing, I should say. But then he started doing this podcast and just kind of his take. I don't know if you've seen it before. Um, I don't think I have, no. He's just a smart, intelligent British guy that talks about F1 and his opinion. And he's like, okay, so it was so much better in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he gave like this whole average of like how many passes for the lead or passes in a race that they had. And I'm like, I don't know. I remember V10s making me really want to get up at 7 a.m. These cars don't. And I know they're going faster. So it's, it's I'm, I'm not saying you're a fool for watching this. I'm just saying for me. I don't have the compulsion to watch F1 for two hours when I can watch six minutes of it and be like, Okay. There was a penalty or somebody like when there was a racing incident, the, the stewards always have to get involved. Mm-hmm. And that gets kind of annoying, but I, I don't know. That's a whole rabbit hole that everybody and their dog's gone down as far as uh, bench racing goes, I think. But I, I generally watch IndyCar, MotoGP, and sprint cars a little bit of nascar highlights once in a while something cool happens but i usually don't watch it i might watch daytona or talladega but those seem to be breakfasts anymore yeah and they can't get away from each other i'm like i would actually i think i went a couple of years ago i went back and looked just to answer my own question was it better it seemed in the late 80s and early 90s, it was a little better. Yeah, they were having some big wrecks, but it wasn't just like you literally can't get away from each other. You can't get a run on each other. It's just you're here. Something's bound to happen. Yeah, it's just, okay, well, Tony Stewart was talking about it too. He was saying, you know, we, we can't come here unless we give the fans the wreck that they want or whatever that was. It was like <laughs> Go price. figure eight or something like that. Yeah, I was like, dude. <laughs> I think that's why I should have watched NASCAR then. <laughs> he's, he's priceless. I love Tony Stewart. I, I, yeah, I still think 
at least for NASCAR, the glory days have been long gone in my eyes. I love the early 2000s when, you know, you had those guys like Stuart Gordon, Jimmy Dale, Matt Kenseth, all those guys that just, you know, there wasn't that the gimmick stage racing, like the, I love the Gen 4 the most out of any mm-hmm. of the cars, just mm-hmm. they could race anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. road course, short track, super speedway, didn't matter. They're going to do really, really well. And it always put on a show just and like naturally, I think. Do you, I'm not opposed to tech, but there, there's the show. You have to have the safety aspect, but I, I think don't lose sight of what got you there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you can kind of have like too many cooks in the kitchen or whatever the, the thing is, you know, I, I um, because doing things by committee can be pretty, I don't want to say dangerous, but just like, does it really make what the show better? I don't know. I, 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 I trouble being convinced on that yet. I'm not a person that likes dictatorships or anything, but at yeah. the same time, it's like racing series that they had Bill France and Bill France Jr. They were doing making decisions the buck kind of stopped there and it wasn't like they couldn't you couldn't talk to them as i understand it i never talked to him in my life but as i understand it, it was like okay this is why we're gonna go i listen to you but this is what we're gonna do and by and large generally the racing was okay you know and it's okay to really exciting so i don't know i just hope hopefully like yeah safety is gonna be paramount i think i don't know if it's a thing where like Chris Economaki had talked about, have the safety thing, but don't talk about it so much. Mm, yeah. And he comes from old school watching Midget Southeast in New Jersey and going all around the world reporting on this stuff and a bit of a Sterling Moss attitude maybe of just like, oh, people come to see exciting things happen. Not just, I mean, if they were going to watch chess, they'd do that. So... I think it's people coming to terms with all of those little elements of like, well, why are you at the racetrack? Um, I think I'm getting a little off topic here, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping that um, people in the, that are making the decisions and sanctioning bodies are making, yeah, obviously the safe decisions, but it's at the same time making decisions where um, the on-track product is, is exciting and fun for fans to watch. I think IndyCar is doing a heck of a job of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Paul Fanner had an article about that in Racer talking about these are the good old days. Um, there's a lot of awesome young talent here, not coming up there here and making it happen. You still got a lot of guys that are fast, that were fast 20 years ago, you know? So I don't, I don't know how you change that or if you want to change that much. Obviously, the chassis is 10 years old, so you have to do something with that. Um, be kind of cool to see Lola or somebody like that, the other manufacturer that's out there, come into the series. It'd be kind of interesting. But I also know what happened when Cart was so popular is it got so expensive. Mm-hmm. You had a tire war, you had an engine war, you had a chassis war, and it became kind of like this in between first and second it's like okay you're either going to be less expensive or you're going to be formula one yeah. 
that's tough. So I don't know. I think just the on-track product, like you mentioned, is as good of any series right now for IndyCar. And you really can't get any better than what IndyCar is putting out every single week. And you don't have the gimmicks. You don't have the, you know, how many seconds apart for Formula One or the stage racing, just a bunch of people up like NASCAR. And, you know, I think between, yeah, an IndyCar or sprint car type of thing where it's just natural. It's just you race, you know, you, you have the strategy involved for IndyCar at least. And guys are just having fun they're pushing to the limit and you don't have the other outside stuff that kind of ruin the product and fans love it you know and ratings are up 30 percent or something like that over last mm-hmm. year for nbc and i think overall there's still some steps they need to take like the you know bringing in a possible third manufacturer and you know and just bringing in uh shoot what was i gonna say just you know just continuing to get get that uptrend of getting back to where cart was back in the you know 90s and will they ever get there who knows you know but i think overall it's just it's a great step in the right direction but just don't shoot yourself in the foot with something stupid i agree i think one of the key decisions they have to sort out is chevy has been awesome as a partner for the series and honda has been awesome as a partner like since the mid 90s when they really got into the sport like they've been running ads featuring honda drivers all the time you see Zanardi and Vassar on there all the time. FedEx, do you want it to go overnight or do you want it to go deferring? What? You know, he walks in. That, that was cool, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, Honda was part of all of that. Um, but I think if you're having a third manufacturer come in with a new power plant or power unit or whatever you want to call it, it I think the weird, and I'm not the tech guy, but I know enough to get into trouble it's got to be advantageous for them to want to enter this series, not just to have like this, Hey, you got this electric whirly bird that does this one thing. Just, it's a stock deal. Why would I enter? Mm, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's, I, I heard rumors about Porsche being interested and then they like, they cut it off. I don't know. But since Pesky's back and he's got a relationship with them over the years, maybe there's a possibility there. And if, I don't know, I don't know how that looks. I, I hopefully whatever it is, like we said, it adds to the show and it adds value for that manufacturer that makes them want to stick around the series, you know, and be cool to have fans get into the series. Hey, I'm a Porsche fan. Yep. Cool. You know, love to see more Porsche fans at the IndyCar races or whoever, you know, BMW or Merck, you know, that type of thing. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. I don't know where all this stuff is going, but Again, you know, I enjoy the series and hopefully whatever decisions happen takes the series forward. Now, uh, yeah, it's one last point to that. I think the main thing that IndyCar should do, at least right now, is market the drivers better. Like you mentioned with those commercials and, you know, yeah. Nirvana, for example, they're doing one damn good job with, you know, with Jimmy Johnson. You know, you see commercials yeah. every single commercial break of him doing whatever stupid thing he's doing. And, you know, it's just cool. You know, they're having to take himself seriously. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Like, dude, you bedazzled your jeans. That's awesome. <laughs> That's no shame. It's <laughs> like, hey, I won seven. What'd you do? All right. Studs in the jeans. Do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that's that can't be that insanely hard to do is to hire a couple of people that know how to do general marketing in sports to make the athletes face their make their faces more well known. I mean 
I, I know, I don't know a lot, but I do know that much. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to, with the budget that IndyCar's got, at least get Instagram programs going and, and uh, YouTube and this type of thing and then leverage social media to make that happen. I, I, it's not hard, but it seems like that they've got so many other things going that they haven't really addressed that. But again, Penske, I think he's probably covering the biggest pressing issues first and then getting those things dialed in and then moving on to these other things. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's beyond him because uh, you know, people like yourself, uh, champ web, he's another really big one on, on Twitter. He's always talking about this. David land's always talking about oh this. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> that, that noon, but you noon, know, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I, I like that. I think it's, yeah, it's, it makes it's sense. True. It makes a hundred percent sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, there's, this is something that's cool too, that wasn't around in the late nineties was these sorts of chats that were, you know, you and me could be sitting at a campground or, a mm-hmm. uh, autograph session or whatever and talking about the stuff, but there's like maybe our mom and a, a dad and a girlfriend that were in the whole conversation. Now it's like, you know, a couple hundred people, maybe more than that. Yeah. And, and those sorts of ripples kind of go out, which is great. So that's something that I hopefully, I hope that they are paying attention to because it, it makes the sport grow that much more. NASCAR does that on yeah. its own, just with the fans. It's a huge fan base. Mm-hmm. F1 does that. So it's like, how do you make that IndyCar centric and not, not completely try to steal the cookbook, but be like, okay, that's a cool thing that this series is doing. That's a cool thing that this series is doing. How do we add that to our mix and make it better? And I think just, uh, you know, like the drivers themselves have to do their own marketing, like, mm. and have to kind of get themselves out there. Like New Garden, he has his YouTube channel, Admit One, and Hinchcliffe, Rossi, Connor, Connor with the mullet, you know, and just those small little things. And mullet is, <laughs> that's one beast of a <laughs> hairdo to say the how, least. How can we get him and Rico together? Oh my God. That, yep. Mm-hmm. That I don't know perfect. why that hasn't happened. Well, okay, maybe they did something at Chili Bowl, but I don't know. There should be at least a photo of them together. There should be. Yeah, that'd be the best <laughs> photo on all Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Wait, I've got it. Do you remember the old photo of uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, like nose to nose with Jackie Stewart with the big <laughs> lamb yep. chops? Yep. I'd have them either like nose to nose or like back hair to back. Hair. Yep. Which one's got the better hair? I don't know. I just thought of that. But. We should put that out on Twitter and see <laughs> if any of them were like, yeah, why not? Let's do that. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> That'd be crazy. You know, and you got all those guys are happy. They're doing great jobs just by themselves, but they need to be able to have that be at a more national stage where IndyCar is posting that in a way and or like just promoting it in a way that or even commercial like, you know, I'm obviously Air Force would not want to have Connor in any type of commercial with that hair um maybe just depends i, I guess, don't know though. they haven't told him to cut it so that's true yeah it could work maybe some <laughs> you know something with airplay no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> who knows funny but yeah i don't know i, I think if indycar can get that down in the next year or two i think they are well on their way to surpassing maybe nascar at some point and that'll take a lot but you know i i, I don't it doesn't necessarily, to me, I'm kind of racing within itself. Yeah, it's a competition, but at the same time, it's motorsports in general. Yeah. And 
for so long it's been just a thing of like my series or driver is so much better than you it's like okay mm, yeah yes all right rising tide raises all boats and i'd rather have nascar succeed i'd rather have indycar succeed or ever i'd rather have all these series succeed so people can be like you know nascar might not be my jam but i do like some sprint car racing it's on an oval but it's a little different or whatever you know and yeah, it's easy to get into, you know, message boards and stuff like that, or or, or Facebook groups where people really do a lot of tearing down of each other. Yeah. I'm just not into that. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather, okay, yeah, obviously be critical of something that needs to be improved, but just I call it sport bitching. Like, stop. How's that helping? That you is know? true. So, yeah, the banter's fun once in a while, but if like it gets really aggressive, it's like wow just it doesn't help that didn't help things i'd I'd rather see the whole um landscape of motorsports work so and that's a big thing paul vander's always been on about with racer magazine you know just making the whole thing awesome you know i think it helps with roger penske you know his ties to both nascar indycar you know and being able to bring you know the double header at ims the road course here in the next month or two and I think that's just overall, and I think it's been interesting to see how, like, they've kind of crossed over, you know, with at least for NBC and how they've kind of crossed over with, the, you know, analysts. Jimmy's doing both, obviously, with mm. racing, and I just think overall that's going to help, you know, both both sides, and I think they kind of realize that more, and they're not more, like, against each other, like, hey, you know, we can help the overall great cause of motorsports to bring more fans in general who are stick and ball fans to say, all right, you know, these are both cool. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just going to check them both out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I still want to see the BC 39 or another race like it as a um, point scoring race for Indy cars. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. You see some of the other guys from places that either haven't experienced an oval race or driven one before. It's like, you're going to race this. What? Yeah, we're going to race this. We're going to have heat races. What are heat races? You know? <laughs> I think it'd be so cool to have that, you know, because it's it's by and large midget racing on those smaller ovals. It is dangerous, but it's not anywhere near as dangerous as doing like on a half mile or anything like that. So it'd be, it'd be cool to see that. That's a pie in the sky thing for me as an IndyCar fan. Mm-hmm. But I like I like seeing that. Like you said, that whole mix of things. Um, I don't know. I, good things are happening right now. I feel and it's it's just what moves are going to kind of unfold to make everything happen I, I think there's enough people that kind of seen how they were actually part of those discussions and then decisions that were made post or pre-96 that hopefully went yeah we shouldn't have done that <laughs> that screwed things up for about almost 20 years yeah. we're just now getting back to where it's like Oh, racing. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, this is this is where things are happening and people are having a good time and the racing's enjoyable and the drivers are cool to hang out with and you know, there's a lot of good things happening. So, um m- more good happen more good things happening than not. Let's put yeah. it that way. So And you know, and final couple of questions. I know you're at the Indy 500 correct this year. I wasn't actually at the race. I was in Speedway showing some artwork with okay. the Speedway Arts Council. So 
I remember, yeah. I remember checking out some of your work that I think one of them was the Willie T ribs when he's on top of the car. And that that was, I, I honestly say, you know, I told my fiance, I'm like, yeah, he's got the best artwork here. (laughs) Like that. You have some really great stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. There's some talented artists in there. There are. Yeah. And you know, those are the first thing that kind of stuck out. I'm like, yep, that's just really darn cool. Um, But, you know, speaking of that race, what were your thoughts on just, I, I just watched the replay of it a little bit ago because I couldn't help myself. Uh, just what were your thoughts on that race and Elio getting that fourth Indy 500? Um, well, speaking of Connor, I was really pulling for him. Yep, I was too. <laughs> um, it was awesome to hear the crowd just go completely mental when he mm-hmm. took the lead because it was like, I don't know. It, it's, he's hard not to cheer for. He's just awesome um he just he feels like one of the guys that's just super talented he's like the, the super talented guy that kind of got out it's like don't change oil anymore run the race cars like, yeah <laughs> you know, and he's he's just like a man of people type of guy i like him um I, that, that was fantastic it was and i noticed uh being in the grandstands or just the stands in general that was the loudest i'd ever heard just any indie car crowd when he took the lead there early on you're just like right wow like that's yeah 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 you know, he's has he's just such a great guy and you know just to see him keep leading there and if only he didn't get hit by ray hall's tire at eventually but <laughs> oh graham was another one that had a fantastic shot too mm-hmm. it's like i feel really bad for that it was a left rear i think it was yeah it came off it was like i feel horrible for that guy mm-hmm. and he's he's probably didn't feel any better about it um but I was intrigued to see what was going to happen with him. So it's like when a race happens, it's like the end story was awesome. Um, but if there's these little things that didn't play out, I'm like, man, what if this happened? That, oh, this has been cool to see that happen. You know, like with Connor not having the damage to his wing or, or Grant, you know, because they were together, you know, essentially one caused the other unfortunately and you know if graham would have been on that same scheduled pace would he have had something for elio at the end or would it or would have been the other way around would graham been the guy doing mm-hmm. the, the business and then elio had to make the move and polo had to you know it was those four guys three guys um the way it played out though i thought it was pretty phenomenal honestly i i uh i was actually in chicago watching it with my family at that point um, cause I, I had to leave to make it up there, um, on Saturday night, but it was just sitting and watching on TV. It was just outstanding. Um, obviously I wasn't in the stands cause I couldn't, I couldn't hear the crowd nearly as intensely as you did cause you're in the crowd, but you could hear it on TV. And if you can hear it on TV, you know, it's intense, you know, the crowd's really into it. Um, a legendary day honestly you, you don't you don't get those that was 30 mm-hmm. years since the last one and that was a crazy race that was yeah you know, michael was fast and then rick was just holding back a little bit and then go <laughs> michael thought he had him and I, I was a i was always a rick mears fan but at that point i was a real like michael's my guy mm-hmm. he was just flat out exciting to watch every single time out and like even till he was with Andretti Green, like he was doing his own racing with the Motorola car, he was still exciting to watch. Um, but that day it was just like, okay, cool, he made that pass, and then Rick just like, nah, I'm just gonna pin it on the outside. It was, it's like, okay, dude, <laughs> he left. So, yeah, uh, 
it's funny how the, the it takes those cycles with Indianapolis to make those super, super huge races. But I'd say in the last 10 years, we'd have great races. And I think that's why NBC is biting right now. Mm-hmm. They saw how awesome it is there. And it's like, well, look at the time we've been with them. And then previous to that, since the 100th. Well, wait, when uh, when did Ryan Hunter Ray win? Was it the year before that? I think it was 2014. Okay. So two years before. Okay. That was crazy. That was, yep. I mean, even though it was, it was the, the green-white checkered thing, I was like, okay, for I got sick of seeing a yellow flag finish yeah. just as a kid. It's like, okay, for once. And then that race was pretty wild, and it was exciting to watch. So, I don't know. There's always something special at that place. And this is just this is another level and especially being the fastest race. I, I forgot about that too. Yeah. I don't think AJ did that Mm-mm. in 77 and 86 was the fastest until 90. And I didn't think anybody necessarily was going to get it, but they, everybody was clean. I think they had one, maybe two cautions. Like two. It wasn't, the most, yeah. it wasn't very many. Mm-mm. I know Wilson in the pits, um, and then yeah, Ray Hall's big wreck. But other than that, I don't think there was anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think most of the trouble was actually limited to the pit lane. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it on the track was just everybody was running fast and keeping clean and going from there. It was it was a great day overall. You know, personally, like I said, the whole thing about storylines not playing out, but really had nothing to complain about. It was an amazing day. I'd never, it was, I'd never seen more 40 plus year old men cry in my life until <laughs> I was up <laughs> on the stands. You see these guys wearing these, you know, old LEO number three, you know, yellow submarine shirts are <laughs> they're sure. falling their eyes out. Sure. <laughs> but you know, just seeing Elio's genuine reaction and obviously you're going to get incredible interview, incredible, just like authentic energy from him every single time. And, you know, just to see him win that was just so special. <laughs> That's the thing about him that I've heard is like, there's no BS about him. He's actually like that, like happy go lucky, goofy dude. I'm like, real? Yeah, he is. Okay. <laughs> the, the, I think what added a layer to me about this uh, whole story for Elio was that somebody sent me like a video that they saw about like, Oh, we're at the Indy 500. It's like this YouTube couple that travels around. Oh, the world. Yeah. And Did you see Elio that? invite them into this bus or something like that? Yeah, and then they got to hang out for the race. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, they, they were clueless to racing. Yep. Like, they were totally clueless. And, like, 20 years ago, I might have been smug about it. and But now I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. This is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Because these are people that are out to have a good time with their life. And they're actually able to get involved with the sport that I love and then share it to a wider populace. And apparently somehow they got to hang out with the winning team. I don't know how that works. That's crazy. If, this, if the NSA had something to do with this, if they manipulated the results, they picked <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy theory. No, um, it, seriously, it was so like random and awesome to see yeah. that happen. Um, that, that kind of, for me, just kind of see that happen. It was, it was just kind of icing on the cake to see that. And I don't know. I think Elio is definitely, definitely worth, uh, worth celebrating for sure. And you mentioned just 
you know other people saying this is no bs like this is who he is you know it was cool a couple actually a couple of months prior actually a month before I, had, I was able to talk to him on the show and you're he is as yeah energetic i don't think he can sleep ever like you know he just i don't know, i think he was in his trophy room or something like that he's like yeah man up here he had you know this one from 2000 whatever he's like that was a good day and whatever else and he's talking and talking you know and like every answer he's gonna talk for five minutes at the most and you know just keep on just you know like most positive dude out there and you know that that was just that was a feel-good story and i think just overall especially when it you know nbc they decided to show so much of the post race where he's running around on the front stretch and you know hugging everyone mario kissing him on the head and all that stuff that was just mm. just such a that was great you know from nbc's part yeah, if, if I'm the direct, I don't know if Terry Langner is still doing the direction for that. If it was, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because he just, we're sticking with this. I don't care what's going on. We're, you know, but whoever it was, whoever made the call to stick with it, I agree 100% is like, you have to stick with this. There's no reason to not stick with it. This, oh, yeah. this, is, this is historic. This is four. He's the fourth, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yep. Fourth one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Al Mears, AJ, and him. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't won a championship, but he's won the biggest race in the world four times. So I don't know what you're going to say to that. Yeah, there's, I don't even think about the non championship in IndyCar. You know, that, that's meaningless at this point for, you know, for me at least. It, well, it's, it's a funny thing. It's like Ari never won a championship, but holy cow, he's fast at Indy. Yep. It's just like every time, just about every time, even when he was with Dick Simon, it was like he was fast. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like in 91, he was still really quick. He probably would have been in contention for the win if he had, I think there was a penalty or a, something happened to Pitts where he fell a lap back and he was third by the end of it. I mean, yeah. the guy could, he, I talked to Donald Davidson about that. He's like, Indy's his best track. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. He's good on uh, at Milwaukee too, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to say that Ari Lyondek is not a legend because he definitely is. But it's, yeah. it's funny how, like, if you win so many times at like one place versus another place, it's like, okay, he was good at Mid Ohio. Cool. Yeah, you won in Mid Ohio, or you won in Milwaukee a couple times. It's like you won three races at Indy. There were the 500. That carries a little bit more weight. It does, yeah. I think even with like a Scott Dixon, obviously he's won in 08, but I feel like there's a lot of times where the month of May rolls around like, yeah, seven championships, but you only have one Indy 500 win. And I think that kind of always resonates in a weird way, but obviously Scott's been so dominant there over the years. And I saw a stat, how many laps he's led, which obviously in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter because oh, six championships, actually, I'm thinking <laughs> a little I'm bit too far ahead. Good. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, Scott, obviously, he's a living legend, and no one will be able to surpass what he's been able to do. But I think just the one Indy 500, and I think people kind of are like, you haven't won more? How? I think about him, I was just thinking about this, is like there's another driver that has his own mystique about that sort of thing, but he's just a little bit more – he's obviously more well-known, and that's Earnhardt. He yeah. only won Daytona once. He won a ton of – Daytona races. I think he had like true. 27 or 28 races mm-hmm. there between Bush and other NASCAR events. And then he won seven championships and what 85 races or something like that. Yeah, something like that. 
So it's, uh, it's, Dixon's a legend to me, you know, yeah. and he's such a cool guy. Yeah, I, yep. I met him in 18 and he was just such a pleasant person to like briefly chat with. And then he was after the race and, um, I didn't talk to his wife, but she's like, he, he, that was an amazing race. He came back from like way back and gave us a third place car. That was amazing. You know, and she's, she's very nice and, and warm, mm-hmm. but I was able to chat with Scott briefly and have a picture with him. And he was super cool, you know, and you just did 500 miles and obviously it's your job. But for me as a, you know, again, the cheap seats is like, I, I need a few minutes to like chill out and like, I can, I need yep. that water and, you know, I don't want to talk to people or whatever, you know, but um, yeah, he's a, he's a hell of a guy. And, and uh, Kiwis are pretty much salt of the earth people that have, the ones I've ever met. So, and he just, um, another example of, of that, you know, real good guy. That is true. Uh, I'm sorry. We've been way over time. I'm sure I'm it's quite know, all right. Uh, I, you know, I love talking racing anytime you know, I can talk with, you know, I can't really talk to anyone around here, to be honest, you know, uh, you know, college <laughs> at least, you know, people are like, what's IndyCar? What's, you know, motorsports in general? I'm like, how do you not, <laughs> how do you want to watch this 24 seven? But, you know, it's been fun to, you know, it's been a boatload of fun to talk to you about it. Uh, you know, final question. What do you want people to take away from your artwork the most? Oh, um, I think a lot of it is, they're a fan. Hopefully, it gives them some sort of a an enjoyable memory or a palpable moment. You know, like oh, I've seen. I remember it was at this race, but I didn't think of it this way. Or if they're not even into racing at all, it's like these are enjoyable to look at. I like looking at this work. You know, I like the colors. Or I, I, these are some things I've been. Um, thank, I've thankfully heard from people in the past of like, this is cool. I don't. I'm not into it, but this is so cool. You know. So if if that kind of strikes a chord with them, I think that's great, you know? And again, what I do isn't for everybody, you know? Some people like artwork where it's dog shooting pool. Some people <laughs> like Rembrandts and Picassos and, and Jackson Pollocks. And some people like racing artwork. And I'm glad I've got a couple of people that enjoy what I do. So it's it's been great. And where can uh, people who you know listen to the show, where can they find you? Where can they find your work in general? Sure. Um, if they're on Instagram, it's Johnny Spa 27. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's uh, J O N N Y S P A 27. There's no H. Um, and then um, website is uh, motorart27.com. Awesome. And, That's perfect. Yeah. You can, uh, you can get a hold of me through either one. If you just have a question or you want to you know, do some work with me, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, I appreciate your time, Alex, and uh, yeah, definitely going to be uh, ordering from you here soon. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of great work. Um, it's just been a lot of fun to, you know, talk to you on Instagram here recently and, uh, you know, get to know you and obviously through this uh, podcast as well. I'm, you know, so grateful for you coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. Um, I, I didn't know uh, what questions you'd have for me or anything like that. You've been fantastic and professional and really fun to chat with. So thank you. I appreciate that. You have a good day and uh, obviously, uh, you know, safe travels with moving to Chicago then as well. End of the week. Yeah, it's coming up fast. So we'll uh, be moving soon. Yeah, you have a good day, sir. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with artist Alex Wakefield. 
It was a really cool experience getting a completely different perspective on motorsports as a whole from Alex. It's nearly impossible to find someone as talented as Alex in the just motorsports art field, and it was a real joy talking about one of my other passions in life with him, which is motorsports art. If you're a diehard motorsports fan looking to bring your office or home walls to life, you should go check out Alex's website, www.motorart27.com. You can check out his Instagram and Twitter pages as well, at johnnyspa27, that's at j-o-n-n-y-s-p-a-27. I'd like to thank Alex once again for coming on to the podcast. We're just about out of time for today's episode, so look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.